0: Well, a big welcome to all of you, to those who are joining online. We welcome you as well, and we do take note. I I see who's joining us online and so appreciative for the opportunity that you can uh, visit us and we can minister to you this way. I, I have to tell you something before we get started. I, this week on Thursday, during my devotional time, every Thursday I get out the church directory and I pray for every family. I pray for every one of you. And this past Thursday, I was just so overwhelmed with a great appreciation and gratitude for all of you. There, there are seasons in life, and I can recall going through the directory, and maybe on one page, one family would jump out at me with something they were going through. But can I tell you something? We are in a season... Where this Thursday, literally every other name I prayed for, there was something going on in their life. We, we are in a season where it just seems like one out of every two people are, are going through a difficulty. Or, are going through a difficult time. And as I finished praying, I just sat in my chair overwhelmed with what everybody is going through. And this is the thought that occurred to me. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. I believe in a God who does miracles. Well, today we start a brand new message series, a four-week message series, on the life of an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah. And the subtitle is, A Ridiculous Faith. Now, for those of us who are a little old school, I need to clarify something. Ridiculous means good. Have you ever noticed that words we grew up with are now words that are used in the opposite how many times have you used the word, oh, man, you're sick. You're disgusting. That's gross. You're just sick. Well, today, I see them in the back laughing already. Sick is cool. That's sick. It's cool. Wicked is one of those other words. You're, that's just wicked. That's that's downright wrong. It's evil. It's not right. It's wicked. It's wicked. It, It's unpleasant. Well, kids tell you, well, man, your your car is wicked. It's excellent. And if I were to call you a goat, many of you would be offended. Goat. Old. Goat's not a very intelligent animal. You would be offended. I'm, I'm calling you old and dumb. But today, when you are called the goat, you know what that means. That's an acronym for the greatest of all times. So when someone calls you the goat, Nikki, you're the goat. You're the greatest of all times, man. And ridiculous falls in that same category. Someone may be telling you this dream they have, this far-fetched dream, and and you're just thinking, that's so unreasonable. That's ridiculous. (laughs) It's absurd. But yet, I think we would all agree that Lisa Mineri's crumb cake is ridiculous. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. So when we use this word, ridiculous, we're talking about the um, uh, the amazing, the unbelievable faith of Elijah that is just downright ridiculous. So, where we want to go this morning is is this. Before we t- give you the text, I, I want to give you the context of where we are in history, and then I'll give you where we're going to go over in the next four weeks. I'll give you the text, then where we're going to go over in the next four weeks, and then we're going to unpack the scripture verses for today. But let me just give you the context. In the Bible, there was a man by the name of Elijah. E-L-I-J-A-H. And a lot of times, he gets confused with Elisha. Elijah was an Old Testament prophet who was known for being bold, known for his great faith, known for being daring. And there was a season in his life where we read in Scripture where Elijah becomes very depressed, running from Jezebel, the wicked queen, where he sits under a juniper tree and asks the Lord to to take his life. Now, through a series of events, God brings him out of that depression and one of the things that we, I take note of is as God leads him out of his depression, he gives him a friend, Elisha. How many know we need one another in this journey called life? And he, e, Elijah starts to mentor Elisha. And it's, it's a great friendship. And we're going to take a look. At when Elijah called Elisha today. But I want you to know that Elisha was just an ordinary man. He wasn't the son of a prophet. He wasn't the son of a priest. He was just the son of a mother and father who were farmers. And Elijah was just one who was out plowing the fields. When Elijah came to call him. Now what's something amazing about Elisha. Is after Elijah finishes mentoring him. Elijah is only one of two that never experienced death. Elijah was taken to heaven. In a chariot of fire. Never experienced death like Enoch. And right before Elijah was taken. Elisha said these words. Let me. Inherit a double portion of your spirit. Wow. And I don't know if you know this, but Elisha is recorded in the Bible as doing more miraculous miracles than anyone else other than Jesus. Other than Jesus... Elisha does the most recorded miracles in the Bible. Son of a farmer, just out plowing his fields when this call came. Would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? And it's taken from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, 20 And 21. So Elijah, that's the older prophet, went from there and found Elisha, the son of Saphat. He was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen. He himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elijah then left his oxen and ran, take note, ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. Then I will come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. Now it's going to get a little crazy here. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Now it gets a little more ridiculous. He burned the plow equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. You may be seated. Today we're going to look at Elijah's ridiculous commitment. Next week, his ridiculous faith. How many know that sometimes our faith is so small that it's hard for us to dream big? And then there are other people who have these big dreams, but they can't start off with the little. Next week, we're going to see how Elijah, Elisha challenges the Israelites to start off with a little so that they can dream big. In two weeks from today, we're going to take a look at ridiculous provision. We're going to take a look at a widow woman who was in dire need. She was desperate. She was about ready to lose her two sons. And I believe this message is going to speak to many people in two weeks. Because there are many of us going through desperate circumstances Who asked that question? What am I to do? Am I gonna make it? And what's really interesting about this message that we're gonna preach in two weeks is this this widow woman, all she could look at is what she didn't have. All she did was look at what she didn't have. And God, through the prophet Elijah, showed her that she had everything she needed. amazing story. And then four weeks, we're going to take a look at ridiculous recovery. This is the story of of the axe head. Some may not even know the story, but how many know in life that sometimes we can get in ruts? In our spiritual journey, we get in ruts where we lose our spiritual edge. We, We lose that passion. And through this story, what I want to bring out what God was speaking to my heart about is that when that axe had flew off and went into the body of water and it sunk, Elijah just came and threw a stick and this iron axe had floated. How many know God wants to restore our spiritual edge and our spiritual passion? So that'll be in four weeks. So where are we going today? We're going to take a look at Elijah's call. The conflict. And his consecration. Here we go. Let's unpack these three verses. So Elijah went from there and found. Now, if the scripture says he found, it must mean he had been looking for. So Elijah. Had been looking for Elisha. And the reason why Elijah was looking for Elijah is a couple verses before God tells Elijah, God tells Elijah to go anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from Abel Maloah, to succeed him as a prophet. Elijah. I want to help you through this season of life. And I want to give you someone to mentor. So when he found him, Elijah found him. And Elisha was plowing his field with 12 yoke of oxen. Now this is what I took note of. Elisha was just not sitting around waiting for the call of God. He was busy at work. He was busy doing what he did best. He was out with fellow employees. Twelve yoke of oxen. That means there must have been 24 oxen. There must have been 12 men out there all plowing. And Elijah was plowing the 12th pair. Now what many think is that his father was the farmer. And we see that Elijah was known as a hard worker. Also responsible. What many believe is that Elijah was the overseer. Was the supervisor of the other 11 plowing. So he was given responsibilities. He was a responsible hard worker. Just doing the mundane of plowing a field physical i'm sure at the end of the day he was tired emotionally draining do you know what it would be like do you do you, do you know what it would be like driving a plow behind two oxen all day what is it that you would see all day You're waiting for the PowerPoint. I'm not going to show it. <laughs> and you know, sometimes in life, it does get mundane. But we're faithful with what God has given us to do. And here is just Elijah faithful with being a responsible, hard-working Citizen. Behind each point this morning, I'm going to give a life principle of how we can apply this to life. And the first principle actually comes from God's word, from Jesus himself. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And I think it's important we see That before all the miracles that Elijah is recorded for in the Bible, he was just an ordinary, mundane, responsible worker going about his responsibilities. Faithful with little before he was faithful with much. And the verse ends with this. And Elijah went up to him. And threw his cloak around him. Now that that sounds a little weird. But let me give you the symbolic meaning. The cloak was probably made of animal skin or fur. And what Elijah was basically doing. By doing this. Symbolizing by this. Is saying. What now covered me. Is now covering you. The responsibilities that I have. Are now going to be your responsibilities. As God called me to be a prophet, now God is calling you to be a prophet. Come and follow me. Take this covering, take this responsibility. Just going about his ordinary life. And God calls him to do something extraordinary. Now, how many know with with God's call comes conflict? Elijah then. Please note, Elijah then. I believe there was a time gap. When Elijah threw his cloak around Elisha, Elijah started walking off. And he got to a distance where Elijah runs after him. So there's a time gap. Now, Elijah may have been to the front doors, but Elijah ran after him. Elijah may have been to the stoplight. We don't know. But there's a, there's a time of period. And, and you know sometimes three seconds can seem like five hours. Elisha now had to make a decision. And when God calls, there's always a decision to be made. Which creates a conflict. Moses had to leave his sheep. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they had to leave their boats. Matthew had to leave his lucrative business as a tax collector. Elisha had parents, had a position of power. And he had a responsibility, plowing the fields. And this is where the battle is lost so many times. Remember in Luke chapter 18, the young rich ruler who came and, Lord, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, go home and sell all that you possess and give it to the poor. And the Bible says the man walked away sad because his riches were of great value. So what does he do? The Bible says he he left his oxen and he runs after Elijah. He said, let me... Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and, and then I, I will come with you. Let me Take care of a few matters. Now, you can read this two ways. You could read this in anger of Elijah saying, go back. What have I done to you? Come now. Or you can read it, go back. And Elijah's thinking, oh, Lord, <sighs> what have I gotten him into? What have I done to you? By telling you to come and follow me? You don't need to know all the details to follow God's plan. Principle number two: You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. I'm reminded of the words that Paul tells Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. And for those of you who know me, I'm a planner. I like to be prepared. And I believe in spiritual readiness. I believe all of us should be spiritual ready at all times, in season and out of season. We can plan for the whole year, but you never know when God is going to intervene and you have to change your plans and be spiritual ready. Here's the problem God always leads. But he rarely gives the details. I one time in life said, wouldn't it be great with the technology we have today, when God asks you to do something, if you, you sat down and said, Lord, if I obey, then you could see the results of obeying. God, if I don't obey, you could see the results of disobeying. Wouldn't it be great to see that? Wouldn't it be great to know all the details? There are many times in life I feel like Tom Cruise, Top Gun, when he's questioning Jack Nicholson. I want the truth! And I'm here, God is calling. That's fine, I want the details! And God's like Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the details! What if the disciples knew all the details before following him? You think they would have followed God asks us, step by step, to follow him. And I think he strategically plans not to give us the details. Because if we saw all that laid ahead, we probably wouldn't have followed. Moses, go. Abraham, go. Usually the details Are in one word. Peter's on the boat. And he sees Jesus walking on water. Whoa that's ridiculous. And Jesus says come. If Peter had seen the details. I don't think he would have stepped out of the boat. We don't need to understand. the fully obey immediately. One word. Maybe you're struggling in, in a marriage right now, in a marriage situation, and, and the one word God says is stay. Or maybe you're going through a health issue. Or you have a friend who's going through a health issue. Or perhaps there's a storm in your life right now that you just don't know what you're going to be do. And, and the one word God gives is trust. Or maybe you've been contemplating about doing something, writing a book. And God says, now. Or maybe you've been coming to the church for a while and and you just, I, I kind of want to get more involved. And one step in, one step out. And, and, I, and maybe I, I should be a part of a life group. Or and God says, commit. There was a time in my life, I had recently been saved. It was 1977, 17 years old. Known the Lord for about a year. You know what I decided to try? Missionary dating. You know what missionary dating is? I was saved, and this girl was, well, she was, okay. She went to church. But just because you go to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. And we started dating. She was from a different school. And before I knew it, I noticed my walk with the Lord had not what it used to be. That summer we went out to the Jesus rally and I heard Larry Tomzak speak on straightforward. He wrote a book, Straightforward on Christian dating. And I remember sitting in the fields of Altoona, Pennsylvania, God speaking one word. Break up! Well, that's two words, but it sounded like one then. Break up. Sometimes we don't need the full details in order to obey so elisha left went back he took his yoke of oxen he takes the two oxen and he he slaughters them well, Now, if you really want to get spiritual, you know, some people say you always need a sacrifice. You know, he was sacrificing them to the Lord. And he burns the plow and the equipment so he can make a fire. He's having a party. And he's telling all his friends, all right, how do you want your steaks? Medium? Rare? Well done? And you know what his parents are probably doing? Pulling out their hair. Wait wait wait. Elijah. What about plan B? If this doesn't work out, maybe you shouldn't be destroying your livelihood. What about plan B? And Elijah says, there is no plan B. Fully committed. And some say that this was a public declaration of his commitment and his call. Just like baptism is a public commitment. Here, Elisha killing the oxen, burning his plows, was a public consecration, a public commitment of saying, I'm all in. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Principle number three. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on the least. Those God uses the most are those who hold on the least. Son, don't you think you should think this through? What if, what if? Dad, I'm covered with the same cover that Elijah had. There's no turning back. There's no turning back, Dad. I'm all in. A completely amazing, unbelievable commitment that is just downright ridiculous. Elijah's call. Who can be trusted with very little and also be trusted with much? Be faithful in the little things God gives you and you will be found faithful with much. Maybe God's calling you and you're looking for all the details and you can't handle the details. Maybe it's just one word, trust. Commit. Now. Break up. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And if you keep holding on, how is God going to truly use you? I don't like, sometimes I, I don't give enough personal illustrations because personal illustrations have a way of thinking, oh, the pastor always talks about himself. but In May of 1982 Bonnie was born in Flemington Hospital I was the honest car salesman I was selling cars at Eichland Pontiac Heather was working at AT AT&T when Bonnie was two months old we went down to Winchester, Virginia because I was the best man in my roommate's wedding And the pastor who did his wedding was looking for a youth pastor. I remember coming home from my John Kenny's wedding, my my roommate from college, his wedding. Coming home, telling mom and dad, we're moving to Winchester, Virginia. I accepted a position as a youth pastor. I remember September, the day after Labor Day, 1982, packing Bonnie up in a little car seat in our Pontiac T1000, Heather in the side, me there, and we had a big family picnic with my mom and dad and Heather 's parents, and the next day we packed up, and we left. No turning back, no turning back. But I'll tell you what. I wouldn't change it for the world. There's no better place to be than in the center of God's will for your life. Wednesday night in our Bible study, I was reminded of a little song, an old song. I want you to stand, and it's very appropriate to, that we sing this old chorus in closing.
1: To follow Jesus No turning back No turning back come on, you know the next phrase The The world behind me The cross before me The world behind me The cross before me The world behind me the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back, though none go with me, still I will follow, though now as Paul Harvey says
0: and now for the rest of the story it was shortly after I was obedient to those words break up it was only a couple months later I would meet the woman that I would marry and be a partner in ministry for all those years there's nothing better than being in the perfect center of God's will. A ridiculous commitment, an unbelievable, amazing, rewarding commitment. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Trust, commit, obey, stay now break up you don't need all the details Father thank you for this call upon an ordinary life that you used in an extraordinary way Lord, may we all make an unbelievable, amazing commitment that is just downright ridiculous in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children said, amen. God bless you.